0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.
1: For a theatrical magician, it's all about misdirection. If they can get you looking in one place and focus so intently on this one area, they got you. Why? Because what they don't want you to see is what's going on over here. Your eyes are supposed to be here, but what's really happening, where the magic is happening, is over here. Misdirection. When it comes to Easter... And the hearing of the Easter story, I think we end up in a place of misdirection. When we begin to focus on the story only as a literal event, we miss it. We miss the magic. We know this because as we read the Gospels, we find out that you can't read it all literally. For example, The pre-Easter Jesus says to his disciples, the time is coming when I will no longer be with you. But one of the other gospels says afterwards, the post-Easter Jesus is attributed as saying, I will be with you always. So which one is it? He will never be with them again, or he will always be with them again. You can't take them both literally, and we know that when we read the text. The challenge is, when it comes to Easter, is a lot of the times we only read it from a literal perspective. And that's the misdirection. Because when you read the Easter story as a literal event, our focus is on the past. It's something that happened 2,000 years ago. And then the focus is on the future. And the hope that someday there will be a literal physical resurrection of those who believe in Jesus and have been saved. But but the problem is, when we focus just on this, we're missing all the magic that is taking place over here. When we're focused over here, it's either in the past or the future. But the beauty of the Easter story and the truth of the Easter story is what's happening over here and here is right now. One writer captured this idea with the following quote. Life doesn't win by refusing to die. Hear that again. Life doesn't win by refusing to die. Life defeats death and destruction by number one, creating a new life, number two, weaving new connections, number three, sparking new creativity, number four, releasing new possibilities. That's the resurrection. That's the power of Easter. That is something that happens every single day. It's when we are so interconnected with other human beings that our life, even when we die, cannot stop. The ripple effect of our life continues on. I think a hint of that is found at the very end of the Gospel of John. In John chapter 21, the last two verses, the writer says that if we were to take all the accounts that Jesus has done, they could not be contained in the largest library. Now again, if you take that literally, then it seems like Jesus did a lot in three years that could be literally crammed into a very small library. But maybe the writer was hinting to us that the life of Jesus doesn't stop at his death. And it doesn't matter if he literally, physically came back to life or not. What matters is the ripple effect of his life continues on. And all the stories of Jesus are found anew in each and every one of us. It's when we live the Easter story. It's when we take the values and the principles that Jesus held and they so much become a part of who we are that the life of Jesus becomes eternal. So please, this Easter... Reconsider the whole Easter story and ask yourself, have I become so misdirected in my focus that I've limited Jesus to the past or in the future and I'm missing the real magic of what's really happening right now?
2: What does it mean to be unafraid of the dark? Many religious texts throughout our history throughout the world have wonderful stories, words of wisdom about what does it mean to be living in a space with light and dark and death and life. Jesus gives this example many times throughout the New Testament. He talks about life and death and light and darkness through seeds, through the cultivation of a life. To admit, I'm very afraid of the dark, especially during these current times. What we're experiencing, to me, is a blur. It's hazy, and I'm tired. From the first week of learning, go write your novel, discover yourself, journal, journal, express yourself through artistic expression, whatever it is, to now, it's okay if you haven't written that novel. It's okay if you're still not sleeping through the night. So what does it mean to be in both light and dark, death and life at the same time? For me, I don't know the answer to that question, but I turn to nature as a way to help guide me through what I need to understand at that process. Luckily, I have two friends that invited me over to their backyard to pick from their garden this week. And this kale plant is one of the three plants that I decided to pick. This kale plant is a perfect representation of what it means to be both living and dying, being in dark spaces and light spaces at the same time. My experiment will be to plant this into my garden, try to nurture it back, And when it is fully gone, which it's pretty close to it, I'll still have these beautiful seeds that will somehow find their way into the world in partnership with the wind and the rain and the season change. I'm excited to share with you what this particular kale plant cultivated for next year. It is both living and dying at the same time. So it's Easter, and this Easter I encourage you to experience both that living and the death, and the light and the darkness, and experience and feel both at the very same time. But get rid of that darkness because we need the light into the coming weeks, into the coming months, into the coming years in order for us to show the world that we can live in solidarity and that we can live with love as our first and only emotion. Amen.
0: The gospel reading for today comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, bought aromatic spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week at sunrise, they went to the tomb. They had been asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled back. Here ends the reading.
1: In our little apartment, I have my own man cave. But since this whole sheltering at home has taken place, it is no longer just my cave. Our house has literally become our cave. We are sheltering at home in our location, and unfortunately for my wife, My cave is beginning to slowly ooze out into the rest of the apartments. And she tolerates that. And she will continue to have to tolerate that because this isn't going to end within a week or two. It could go another three or four weeks. You also are being sheltering in your cave, in your tomb. And in some ways, it gives us a sense of safety, because what I'm doing is not just for me, it's also for you. And by you staying in your home, that's benefiting me. And so as much as we dislike having to be in our tombs and having this stone of COVID-19 covering the exit out into the rest of the world, it's what we have to do right now. However, before COVID-19, we were still living in tombs. We were still living in caves. They were the psychological caves. They were those emotional caves. I think you know what I'm talking about. Those experiences that you have had in your life, perhaps since a child until even yesterday, each of those experiences, if they, especially if they are hurtful or harmful to us, leave a, an emotional and a psychological imprint, a small little scar. And we have a way in our bodies to protect that. We take those experiences and we put them in the cave and we roll the stone in front of it. And we make sure that they stay there. And just like in the New Testament, we read about how they sealed that stone, that's what we do to some of our experiences. But no matter how far or how deep you bury those, they're alive. And the effect of that is it deadens a part of who we are. Eventually, the stone in front of us physically, this sheltering at home, is slowly going to be rolled back. This last week, I was listening to a fascinating podcast describing the ways in which we will reintegrate into the rest of the world, the way that we will begin to interact with each other. And it isn't going to be as if someone just flipped a switch, and then all of a sudden we're back to normal. This is going to be a very slow process, more than likely. And there's a real possibility that we will be out and about, free from our caves, our tombs, and then the virus will kick up again, and we'll have to go back inside for a period of time, and then out again. And that cycle could actually continue again and again for the next 12 to 18 months, and that can be very depressing and very discouraging unless we realize that while we're in the tomb, we have the opportunity to heal some of those emotional experiences that have taken place in our lives. This might be the opportunity for us to have the courage, the Easter courage of rolling away those emotional and psychological experiences, rolling the stone away from them and beginning to experience and heal those scars in our lives. And here's the power of Easter. As we heal those, as we sit with those, those parts of us that were dead will begin to come back to life. And that's what Easter, for me, is a reminder of. That each and every one of us have those spots in our life that have created a little bit of taste of death within us. And Easter is about bringing those back to life, a willingness to be vulnerable again, a willingness to leave the anger and the hurt behind, not by ignoring it, but dealing with it, And then pushing that stone out of the way and stepping out and saying, ah, this is truly living. And so, for no matter how long we are stuck in our caves, use this time wisely so that when that time comes, when that Easter Sunday finally arrives and throughout our world, literally the stone is rolled away again, that we won't return to a life individually and as a world as it was. But we will be experiencing new life. That we will fulfill what Jesus said he came here for us to have. Life. But not just life, life abundantly. That is being true to Easter. That to me is what it means when we sing and say, Ah, Christ, Christ the Lord is risen today.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online-giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.